Hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we dig into some of our favorite games and discuss what we can learn from them, and just why we like them. For those of you out there counting, this is episode number four. Uh, it's coming at you on June 21st, 2017. My name is Chase Strollenberg, and I do sound a little funny. I think there's something going on with my voice. I'm not sick yet, but uh, I'm getting there. Um, and with me today is... Stu... Stu Gritter, who never sounds funny. No, you never sound funny. You no. s- Sometimes you say funny things. Well, that's allowed, though. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, for those of you who don't know who we are or what we're doing, um, we're just a couple of guys trying to find uh, trying to find nuggets of education and goodness in video games because uh, you know what? There's a lot more going on than some people really want to think about or or analyze, and we like to do that. So that's why we're doing it. We sort of want to make you feel good about your hobby instead of guilting you about your hobby. Um, well, this hobby, at least. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Specifically this hobby. Yeah. Um, we're also very good at keeping each other on point. Um, <laughs> because, because, I mean, if your hobby is um, uh, making a skin suit from other people, uh, then your name is Buffalo Bill and you're from the 90s. Um, but also, yeah. Bad ha- uh, yeah, maybe- ba- bad hobby. Get new one. <laughs> yeah. For example, yeah. gaming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe you can do that in a game someday. I don't know. Um, so, uh, was there anything you wanted to say about yourself or about life in general before we jump into the other sections, Stu? No, no, I think I think we're good. Um, pe- pe- the general intro from the first bunch, I think, sh- <laughs> sh- should cover all the things. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, uh, that's fair. I'll, uh, I'll let it ride for now, but maybe someday you'll want to actually take advantage of the chance to talk about yourself. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so then, uh, let's move on to what we learned this week. So this is the segment of the show where we discuss things we learned about gaming this week. Stu and I love tech and gaming news, so remember that if you have any news or tech updates that you would like us to discuss, um, just send them to us at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com because we love that stuff and we will happily talk about it. Um, So what happened in gaming this week? Uh, I'm going to say E3 happened, but then I'm just going to sort of leave that open. Uh, Do you have anything else to say? (laughs) No, that was going to be my thing. It's just everyone is E3, E3, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, a lot of talk about E3. Um, There's some interesting chatter. Uh, It sounds like uh, the new Mario for Switch is going to be very much like the old Mario for N64, but with a bunch of new mechanics and uh, a lot other stuff going on, which is is fine. Uh, um, Mario 64 was a very, very cool 3D platformer. Um, Or 3D adventure game. I think it's classified as a 3D adventure game. Yeah, probably. And it, uh, it definitely helped define... an the genre and really build it out um but i mean other than that i've i've heard a few things i heard about detroit which is um it's basically a a game very similar to alan alan wake or sort of those games where i i guess maybe um la noir Uh, did you ever play la noir no i never did um well anyways like you're sort of a detective or you get to play kind of as a detective but I guess there's multiple members of the cast, um, 
and if somebody dies you just play as somebody else and if they all die then it's game over hmm. but it's very much about gathering info and using it and i heard some uh some interesting stuff about that game that i dug i'm not sure if it's gonna quite deliver exactly the way that it should but um well here's hoping about, i mean because yeah. in the the whole kind of investigative genre is uh it's kind of slowly coming together right it's something that we never really saw 10 15 20 years ago not to my knowledge anyway so it's neat to see there are a few different kinds of games like that coming about and you it's neat that we get to see their evolution yeah and i mean like the tech demo for that game for detroit um like full well i mean spoilers or not like the game is about um maybe like a near future that's a little bit further away where androids and humans aren't as distinguishable there's still some distinguishing features but it's kind of a blade runner situation where um unless they're obligated to wear the proper components uh generally you don't know um but the the demo is about an android who has malfunctioned and you're basically going in to save a hostage child um, because the android uh, attacked the father, attacked and killed the father, and I think the mother and another member of the family are still alive, but they're just freaking out. So, um, but the interesting thing is when you play the demo, you play as um, an investigative android. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, but I, I think there's Android and human uh, members that you can play, but uh, the way that they treat you as an Android is interesting. Brings up a lot of questions. I mean, I love I love the the discussions and discourse uh, that comes up around AI. Like, if anybody ever wants to have a very serious conversation about artificial intelligence and uh, and the handling of it by humanity, uh, I'm a very very big advocate of that so yeah. um uh, but otherwise like uh, apparently there's all kinds of things that could happen like you can investigate if you look into things you can discover that um and i mean i guess i'm just ruining a case here but it's worth talking about because it's interesting to see how this all plays out this isn't a game where there's one solution right like you can go out on the ledge and just try to slide tackle <laughs> slide tackle because they're out on a ledge of course with a gun um, you can go and try to slide tackle the uh, the robot, and I hear that doesn't go so well. He shoots the little girl, and then he shoots you, and you all fall off. You can go and figure out things about the robot, um, like the fact that uh, there's an invoice in the house uh, issued for his replacement, and two androids, when you get sent back for repurposing, that's basically you get disassembled and turned off. Um, and to them, they, uh, there's a culture within androids where they believe that that is death. Uh, so basically, he found the bill that said he's going to get killed. Um, and that's why he's acting the way he is. Um, and uh, like there, there's supposed to be like robot directives in place to, to protect. I, I'm trying to remember who I listened to talk about this. I think it was, uh, I think it was on Gaming History X. Uh, so it was Fred Rojas because he, he spent like the entire week at E3 and just sort of <laughs> hammed it up. Yeah. Um, because it was open to the public, right? Which I guess is a, like the big and small deals. Um, but he just bought a public pass. He probably could have gotten a, a press pass, but he just wanted to see what it was like to be a dirty casual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, That's fair. Um, yeah, he wanted to see what that type of experience was, and he didn't want it to feel like work. He wanted to go and have fun. Um, which I am hearing that some some press 
we're not thrilled about. I guess it was a little crazier than anybody was hoping it would be. But that was E3. Um, I'm sure there's tons of other stuff we didn't even touch on, but that was E3. Um, was there anything else you wanted to talk about, or you just wanted to... Did, was there anything uh, you hear come out of E3 that you wanted to touch on? Um, no, not, not in particular. I was kind of curious um, because I, I, I avoided a lot of E3 stuff this year. Um, but hearing you talk about, about Detroit, um, it sounded super familiar. And yes, they did actually showcase that same thing uh, at E3 in 2016. So. Oh man, <laughs> so, that's hilarious. So, that's oh. so none of that was a huge surprise. So that's that's yeah, a super old spoiler. But um, okay, good. I don't I feel guess so bad. As, aside from E three, um, I I should have checked. I've got the link here. Um, I didn't check when this was put up, but I happened to watch a YouTube video from uh, day nine. Um, Okay, so it was relatively recent, published April 14, so about a month ago, um, specifically about the StarCraft remaster, so I figured I got to bring it back for another week in a row, um, and just because it touched on some neat, he touched on some neat things about the game uh, and what made it so wonderful. Okay. Uh, so it, it's an interesting thing. It's, it's I think, worth taking a, a look at. It's just um, Day9TV's channel all day nine tv and he has it listed as a video highlight starcraft remastered rant and it just uh, in sum he talks about a lot of the flaws of the interface kind of being what made the game really interesting like you had to struggle with only controlling 12 guys only having so many numbers you know a lot of micromanagement um, it's a lot easier now in StarCraft 2 to do some of your management and keep yeah. track of everything. Yeah, and a lot easier. So you got to see a lot more mistakes in StarCraft, and it made things a lot more interesting tactic-wise and strategy-wise. So blah, 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 blah. But it, yeah. yeah, it's just another thing that I haven't seen in the last couple of weeks that I, I thought was a, a good, um, at least a, a, perhaps an unfamiliar perspective on why some people might like that game a lot <laughs> yeah uh actually now that we're we're talking about real-time strategy um when we were talking about it last episode when we were talking about warcraft i was trying to think of contemporary examples that were really good and one of the ones that i've been tracking but i haven't touched i mean there's a gray goo which is supposed to be quite good it's like three very different races but then another one was, uh, it's from Stardock, and they're the people who uh, did the original Supreme Commander, not the sequel. Yeah. And they've got a new game called, I think it's Escalation, and it's a, in its latest incarnation, it's supposed to be really, really good. A lot of people are upset because basically they released an original game, and then they released a standalone expansion, and the standalone expansion is way better. <laughs> um, yeah. But they did that last time with supreme commander as well they had a forged alliance and there was like a an additional alien faction that you could play yeah so like for me that's not a surprise it's just uh their process they create the game and then they iron shit out and then they add to it um but yeah that uh, i like that's something that i would like to check out i just again time and money 
Yeah. Um, but if yeah, if you really like uh, RTSs, I hear that's that's the game to give a shot right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So uh, for me, outside of E3 talk, um, I actually got my wife Catherine to listen to a little bit of a podcast. And uh, it was it was kind of fun. She was enjoying it. She was actually really impressed with what we were doing. I I uh, pitched the premise to her, but I've never sat her down and, and had her listen to an episode. Yeah. Um, so she and I ended up having a conversation afterwards about um, the current state of classrooms, teachers, and um, <clears throat> just gam- gamification in school. Yeah. Now I I understand that gamification is something that some teachers are practicing. But that's not that's not really what our conversation about was about. Our conversation was about the fact that uh, you and I, we are talking about learning in classrooms. Um, but at least me personally, I can't remember the last time I was in a classroom outside of uh, university. And university is not grade school or high school. Um, so I'm thinking the last time I was actually in a classroom for high school was when I was in high school and I know that (laughs) I know that there's still those bureaucracies in place that are making it very hard and I use the extra credits and the things that they say as a reference but I don't actually know what it's like in a classroom right now um 2017 is a very different beast than 2001 2002 when I was coming out of high school right yep um that's fair and she she recommended um, maybe we just reach out, reach out to some experts in the field or even just teachers like teachers our age who are teaching now, but who also played video games and just what kind of game features might actually be in classrooms. So if you're an audience member, if you're a teacher or if you're interested in education or engaged in ed- education in any way, I would encourage you to reach out to us. Um, she suggested that I reach out to some of the profs at Brock because there are a few of them now that specialize in education in regular school yeah um specifically in the education department so uh, i'm gonna look into that uh i just again um this is a hobby so i do things on my own terms and on my own time and sometimes i don't have a lot of that uh time not terms (laughs) i have many terms yeah um but yeah so how do you feel about that what are your thoughts well i i have the (laughs) I was about to say, yeah, I'll stick with the word benefit. I, I have the benefit of having a lot of teachers in my immediate family, actually. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so, when so you say for me, a few, yeah, you have it, a lot. Yeah. So it, I, I feel a little bit more connected to that kind of side of thing. Um, I don't think any of them actually gamed a lot growing up. Um, I know yeah. that. Uh, two of the teachers in my family have uh, a kid who games a lot and um, so so that kind of gives them some interesting perspective on things too um, they do I don't know I, I haven't actually sat down and, and discussed specifically you know their approach to gamification in the classroom um, but I, th- I think they're seeing some of the benefits uh where their son's classes are making those efforts. Yeah, okay. Um, and yeah, just to clarify, like 
Catherine has a master's in education, so she's not just she's not just you know like criticizing us. But I mean, her her point would be valid regardless. Yeah. Um, but oh, yeah. she's she's looking at this from someone who is trained professionally to consider the educational value of almost everything. Yeah. So, um, and like at the end of the day, you and I were not professionals. This is not what we're doing for a living. We're just sort of visiting. Yeah. Um, but we're visiting because we're intensely interested. And I'd like to get it right, so um, or at least just get the conversation started. Very much like uh, some of the other things we've tried to do in previous episodes. Like, if anybody has an opinion, definitely communicate it. Um, and uh, I I want to try and pursue some of that stuff. I can't guarantee I'm gonna have anything by next episode, but that is uh, like it's. I think it's worthy. I think it's definitely a worthy pursuit to try and see what gamification elements are in classes presently. And, like, which boards are more open to that sort of change? Which ones are sort of holding it up? Is it a financial thing? Or, uh, you know, just, just what's going on? You know, like, if it's if it's a private school, how open are they to it? If it's a religious private school, how open are they to it? Um, Even the difference between element, like, primary, secondary, post-secondary. Yeah, well, the post-secondary, I think it's safe to say that once you get to post-secondary, depending on where you are... Um, you know, like anything's game. Um, I'm <laughs> within reason. I mean, you you took the interactive arts and science uh, degree at our post secondary, and um, well, you can speak however you want about that one. But uh, that was sort of like the video game design prep school, right? Uh, I believe that was its intention. Um, but yeah, even within that program, there was very little gamification done in the way of education. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm almost tempted to like, once we have the site fully functional, which is a lot closer than it was a few weeks ago, let me tell you. Um, and once we actually have something to show that we can actually talk to people about, I might consider reaching out to individuals because then it's like, okay, you know, we're not just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we've actually got something we're interested in. This. Yep. Um, um But yeah, I mean, if if an opportunity strikes you and you want to reach out to someone, uh, definitely feel free. Uh, right now, I think we're in a position where we might be able to start bringing guests on, uh, but we can definitely read emails. So, <laughs> if you want to bring anything in, you're more than welcome to, Stu. Um, your your fingers on the pulse of teachers a little better than mine. So. <laughs> all right yep we'll see what happens okay cool um i mean other than that um you brought up that your <clears throat> your relatives had children who were uh heavy into gaming do your so is it brother sister both um if you don't let me ask they, they've got about they all have kids it's all of okay them. everybody okay, loves games well, <laughs> good how many but how many of them actually take the time to play games with their children oh that's a fantastic question that i don't know yeah because i've um i mean i've read a, a number of studies and by a number i mean one <laughs> I've, read a, I've read a single study it's a number a, it's the loneliest a, number yeah, but it's still a, a number single unrepresentative study uh that suggests that if you are starting to feel disconnected with your uh with your child 
who plays video games, the best way to reconnect is to actually play, play games, games with them. Hey, um, to engage in the hobbies that they're interested in because yep. they're not going to change for you; they're changing for themselves. Yeah, you're not so. going to teach a kid how to play bridge. <laughs> well, you can, <laughs> but there's no guarantee that they'll enjoy it. I yeah. mean, I don't mind bridge, but it's not the first game I would want to play, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, yeah. If if you are an individual. Which I think it's it's sort of, I don't know if that's going to be the audience that's going to just accidentally fall on our podcast, but if you're an individual who's watching your child sort of get further and further away from you and you want to understand why they're uh, jumping deeper into video games or you want to have something, some kind of common ground to talk to them, just play games. Just play the games with them. Um, get Even get them to teach you because they'll do that. Um, usually somebody wants to have somebody else to play with because that's that's where the joy typically more fun yeah yeah cool man so actually yeah i've been that's uh that's a good start to the episode i think so um uh so you know what let's uh let's start transitioning into the next section so what we learned from gaming um just to give myself a little bit of a rest would you be able to talk about uh your oh, game man you make me go first every time but yeah yeah i'd it's, be happy it, to yeah it's only because i like you oh lies 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 so i <laughs> <laughs> i i i was debating between a couple games to do and uh the one that i settled on is a game that i really liked i i enjoyed playing it i think i did learn a lot of things it taught me a lot of different stuff um it's a game that has kind of had a few spiritual successors, but none of them, I don't know, per, I found none of them to be quite as gratifying as, as this one. Um, uh, I'm going to talk about Dungeon Master 2. I have heard really good stuff. I have never, ever played Dungeon Master 2, but I've heard it's a good game. It really is. Um, this is a game that I think... Growing up, there weren't. I didn't have a ton of friends that had it or played it, but everyone I know who did play it, fracking loved it. Like, yeah, it just like stood out and above. Like, just, just, this is a great game. Um, so, Dungeon Master Two is kind of a like a first person, sort of like a dungeon crawler. It's a set world. Yeah, uh, you control a party of one, two four characters and uh you kind of just start in this little area and you can build your party or go alone which is pretty bad idea but most people you know you kind of figure it out you explore the areas and try and do stuff there's not a ton of of plot necessarily you kind of you're in this place and you know that there's bad things gonna be happening and stop the bad guy that's the gist of it there are small okay. towns to explore, little um, natural areas between the towns that have different wildlife and creatures in them. And you just, you basically, you're invading a castle to kill the dude at the top because he's like bad and stuff. <laughs> okay. It's so standard dungeon crawler. Pretty much, but yeah, yeah first person uh well yeah. i mean almost like wizardry style yes uh, yes crawler. very much very much so which i th yeah that, that could be where a lot of the wizardry um popularity comes from as as well it was that same kind of experience um yeah so 
this was this was a neat game because you you had different characters. They all had different stats, like you know a, a fantasy role playing game. They had different classes that you could level up. Um, your typical medieval weaponry and armor. You had magic. The magic system was really interesting. Instead of you know having a list of spells to choose from, there were you would pick a spell level from okay. zero to six or something, yep. and then three more times you would click on six available runes so there would be you pick the level and then six runes would show up you click one of them they go away six more show up click one of them they disappear six more show up you click click one of them spells could be one two or three of those runes combined Uh, oh And, and that's how you would prepare a spell so again nothing like even in the instruction booklet there are a couple of example spells you but don't know any. you don't know any of them and so oh, no. so there yeah so you know six times six times six and then a few more combinations of of runes for spells that may or may not do anything and then even when you do figure something out uh, you click the cast button and you finally shoot a green thing I and mean, you don't know what it does <laughs> but you shot oh, a green okay. thing. <laughs> okay. so, so now you got to oh. run around and shoot green things at people until you figure out what this thing does. Yeah. Um, so some of them are so, obvious, like a fireball or a lightning bolt is really apparent, but some of them are like, oh, it's a little blue ball or a little green ball, and, and some of them do poison, and some of them like open and close shit. Some of them make potions right because there's the magic for the mages and the magic for the priests which are different different runes and everything so 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 even if you're testing making potions you know you've you've set up your rune symbol and you click click cast and then it shows you a picture of a bottle going into an empty hand and you think yes i figured out how to make a potion and then you put an empty flask into your character's hand and you click cast and then it fills the flask with magic liquid and then you look at the flask and you're like this one's red <laughs> do, do i drink it <laughs> what what does this do it was great so just like no just lots of exploration to do you didn't have maps but it was a set world so a lot of people bust out their grid paper figure out where everything is this area is bad this area is good you know there's a sword here that's great so every time you know people figure out where the weapons are and make a beeline to them yeah uh the different villages had different economies so if you went to a faraway village where there are terrifying like massive giants that have these huge axes that just beat the shit out of you and the axes are really heavy but if you sell them at the village that's right there, it's super convenient, but they're not worth much. But if you carry all these heavy axes back to a different village where they don't have axe-wielding maniacs outside, those axes are worth a lot more. So you get to learn a little bit about that kind of economy that's going on in the world. Right, supply and demand. You're basically supplying an exotic good to yeah. a faraway town. And so just, you just, yeah, so you try and accrue wealth, buy better armor and weapons, <laughs> figure out what the yeah. fuck the green thing you're shooting does. Uh, what is that green you know, thing? Yeah. Uh, buff up your armor, see if that does anything. Um, yeah, it was just so th- just like 
a relatively open world because monsters respawned all the time. Uh, there were monsters that were just melee. There were some that were incorporeal, and learning about that was fantastic. Oh, yep. Wow, yeah. You'd need like a magic spell or a magic weapon. To yeah. Them, right? So is it the blue yeah. one or the green one? Because <laughs> then I don't know. E even when you hit stuff, you can't always tell if you've done damage to it at a distance. So did you hit it with a spell that just didn't do enough damage? Or did you hit it with a spell that did no damage? <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I see. You know, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah. I had traps galore, light and poison and stuff to worry about, and food and water and yeah, big world and and thieves. There were thieves in the game. Holy crap! Irritating. Okay. But and what would they do? Steal things, because that's what thieves do. Um, from you or from other people? From you. So would they in, just sneak in, up and then yeah, run away? It, well, they they have very distinctive footsteps that are insane oh. is really neat so it becomes this dreaded sound as you're walking around if you don't if you, you know if you don't have anything to deal with a thief right now and you hear them coming and they have this <laughs> the sound the sound is actually neat it's different on different systems this was released um in in north america in 95 wow. um okay so amiga dos early pc um yep um, so some, there, there were different sound effects in the different systems, of course. Um, but, oh, did, did, like hearing wolf paw prints coming up that you couldn't, like, wolves kill you because that's what they do. And it, it was great, great, great sound work. Um, all kinds of, like, pitfalls and traps everywhere, some of them mundane, some of them magical. All kinds of exploration to do. Again, you slowly map everything that you can you know see how far you can get get annihilated by something <laughs> try it again yeah <clears throat> so trial and error was a big big aspect of it um you could practice the art of cartography if you wanted um but it also sounds like this was a game that <clears throat> didn't just reward you for experimentation but demanded it of you it did demand it, but then once you f discovered the best things, like discovered where the good stuff was and what the best spells were, and you, you like figured out the formula of the game, what a lot of people started to do was say, okay, well, I beat the game. Um, it's still, like, it's a lot of fun to play. Um, I, know, I know people still to this day go back and reinstall it and give it a, give it a go because it is yes. a ton of fun. But yeah, so you beat in the game once or twice or you feel comfortable with it. Well, try it with a party of two people instead of four or one or try oh. it without armor or do it without <laughs> your favorite weapons yeah. or do it without magic, you know. So, yeah, the, the self-imposed limitations, especially because it is a relatively open world, it kind of invites that. It, it That kind of self-limitation, I find, goes hand in hand a lot with open worlds and, and kind of doing your own thing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Free, free gameplay, okay. it's self-imposed limitations. It's good. Yeah. So then um, what about cons for this game? Oh, well, the, <laughs> the interface at times leaves something to be desired. Maybe, as per StarCraft, that's part of its charm. I don't know. Oh, uh, I don't the really, argument, I, the less is more. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think it works in this case. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> there, there, yeah, there are some parts of the game that are just 
clunky. Um, there are some parts of the game that are um, like you have to when you're trading, for example, when you you click on something in in your inventory, you close your inventory, and then you click somewhere on the screen. So if you click on mm-hmm. on the lower part of the screen, you can set it on the ground. If you click in the middle ish, like a skinny band, you can set it on a table, which is how the trading worked. Mm-hmm. If you click on the top half of the screen, you throw the item. Throwing items does damage, and if you, oh, okay. and if you damage a shopkeeper, you can't trade there anymore. Their shop like fills up with fireballs, and they have these like shop guards that, uh, like, I don't know why they don't just go out and take care of this of the bad guy because <laughs> they just beat the shit out of everything. It is yeah. amazing. They're like. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. So okay. So, like, that's one of those areas where the interface, you know, really didn't see a lot of. Should have been polished a little bit more, because there are countless times when people are trying to trade like thirty items. So you open your inventory, click, 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 click. click. You're trying to do everything really quickly, and on your twenty seventh piece of you know, raw steak that you're trying to trade, you accidentally like bitch slap the shopkeep with it and then your game is over. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> always save before going into a into a shop is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Be be careful with your meat. Otherwise you go yep. to jail. Um Um yeah, that too. That too. And the, definitely be careful who you throw it at. There are other aspects of like you can change the way your party faces. So if you wanted, you could have uh, a fighter and a mage kind of face the left instead of forward and then hmm. but if you move a square I think it resets them again and it, it's just something that nobody ever uses and the reason that is is because the AI struggles to hit you getting hit by anything does a lot of damage to you all the time but you can do you can kind of step forward hit a monster and step back as long as you're careful enough you can usually do that without getting hit so yeah. in that sense, um, if, if you do that the entire time, you can probably play the game without getting hit once by anything mm-hmm. uh, until perhaps the very end, the boss fight is pretty hectic. But so that, that, that's, I think, one of the biggest detractions to me. Um, I would love to see a similarly designed game that solved that problem. To, to me, it is a problem. I yeah. don't know how that would happen other than tweaking some damage numbers I guess or something I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But but mechanically it it feels I don't know, not very gratifying once you once it's like it's easily mastered and it feels like cheating. So <laughs> that's kind of a bad thing too. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so then I feel like, <clears throat> actually, how about you summarize it? Just summarize for me, um, like, the, the sort of the educational stuff that you feel you've taken from it. I guess having to be responsible for your own progression through something. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's an important skill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, I that's, use that a that, lot. That's probably the biggest takeaway, yeah. It'd be, yeah. Because it's it's up to you if you if you want to... If you don't want to experiment with magic or learn any of it, or these days Google it, then 
you're you're missing out on a large part, a very very useful part of the game. Um, if you choose, you know, if you don't bother looking at the different weapons and how they work, and their benefits, you, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of trouble. If you don't figure out how to, you know, control correctly or like figure out how to strafe efficiently, you know, if you refuse to make maps, if you don't care about exploring if then i guess that it depends what you want to get out of the game right. but for the most part yeah just being solely fully responsible for what you want to get out of the game and how to how to uh achieve that yeah you don't see i mean they're starting to make a comeback but for a while there you did not see a game like like you just described um, in a lot of ways, I feel like um, a completely different genre, completely different type of game, but Stellaris is like that. Um, you really just sort of... And uh, most of those grand strategy games from Paradox are kind of yeah, like that. Yeah. You, you sort of make the goals that you want, and then you try to proceed towards them. And, you know, sometimes it fails, sometimes it, it goes well, sometimes you get eaten by a galactic space monster because you were knocking on... Um, the wrong <laughs> asteroid. Yeah. Um, you know, or, you know, sometimes you ally with the wrong country and suddenly you're part of the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, it, did it have a win state? Yes. Once you, like, beat the dude at the top of the castle, like Mr. Superbad, if, then, yeah, then, then technically you've won the game. Okay. Okay, cool. So it did have that. Now, it was a little bit tricksy to do. Some of the puzzles were a little bit cryptic as well. Um, I think I think a lot of people probably stumbled into a few significant roadblocks, at least playing their first time. <laughs> yeah. Because every now and then you, you'd bump into a puzzle that just didn't, didn't make sense. The... the there weren't many ways to give clues to players, so yeah, that was frustrating. But but yeah, speaking to more contemporary games, like I look at Skyrim as kind of an example of a dungeon crawler kind of thing, so, sort of. Some of the aspects of the experience would be the same, but that's a game where like the world levels up based on you. It's supposed to provide you know the same consistent challenge all the time, right? Yeah. Which, um, I would do if if I ever get set off about how that absolutely ruined Oblivion, um, <laughs> I, I could. If you I ever could, get triggered, yeah, yeah, <laughs> then then I would drag Skyrim's name into that conversation too. But it, God, it, it what it's, is the name it's of that series? It's uh, uh, like Skyrim is the fifth. But El- what, Elder what Scrolls. Oh, Elder Scrolls. There we yeah. go. Yeah. I was trying to find it in my Steam library. <laughs> Look, what the, Which, what the hell is yeah. this game's name? Which is a, a wonderful, still a wonderful series. But, but I mean, it, it just, it really lacks, like Dungeon Master 2 has these hard walls of, yeah, if you take this much damage, you're, you can't get past this dude because he's in the doorway and now you did. Yeah. Okay. Um, any other thoughts on the game before we shift over to me? I don't think so. Some of the music is really good. 
uh, the sound effects are really good. Okay. It's, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, cool. I could speak his praises for, for quite some time. Still worth okay. checking out. It was uh, perhaps notably, well, absolutely notably, uh, it was published by Interplay. Oh, Interplay. Yeah. Um, a thing of the past. Yeah. They do not. Do they still exist? I don't think they do. No. They got acquired I, by someone. Uh, Blizzard. They got acquired by Blizzard. Yeah, Blizzard nommed them at some point. I didn't know was that. Was it Blizzard, Blizzard or, or one of, someone in the Blizzard I was family? Say, if it's Blizzard, then it's Activision now. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, hold it. No. Um, doesn't EA own the rights to them? Because I heard they were making a bunch of god-awful mobile games. With a license. Um, I mean, we do have the internet. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to look it up right now. Apparently, <laughs> okay. oh, Black Owl Studios is actually a part of Interplay. I did not know that. Hmm. The more you know. La la hmm. la. Yeah. So, well, anyway, there we go. Who's neat? Oh, okay, Virgin. Cool. Virgin. Yeah, yeah. Blah blah blah. Virgin. Vivendi. Oh, Virgin. Yes. There we go. It was. So it was Vivendi. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um. Cool. Uh. Done. Is that, that yeah, it? Yeah, 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 that's, uh, that's good. Check it, check it out. If you've never seen it, at least, like, go YouTube <laughs> Let's Play of it or something, grab it, play I will, it, get it. I'll, good. I'll spend some time, I'll do my homework on that game, because you're not the first person to say good things about it, yeah. so I, I'll at least look it, at it. I can't guarantee I'll go and play it, because something tells me it's going to be a bit of a time sink. Oh, it's, it's, it's a bit of a time sink. You can get around some of that just by, like I said, just Googling what, you know, what are the spells? How do I make good things? You know, but the, it depends whether or not that takes the charm or fun away from it for you. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, so I'm going to talk about a very different game. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually a game that I've played this decade. Um, because, I, I mean, like, I, our concept for this uh, was never to focus strictly on the past. So... Um, you know, just any game that had value. And the game that I want to talk about this week is uh, World of Tanks. Um, so this is a game designed and published by Wargaming.net. Uh, they're out of Russia, if you don't know about them, although they have grown considerably since uh, this game was released back in 2010 for the PC. Uh, the game is now on multiple systems. I think it's coming to, to PlayStation 4 if it isn't already there, but yeah, it's, yeah. Like, X- Xbox has it. Probably because the port was super easy yep. because the Xbox is really just a computer, um, but the uh, literally a PC. <laughs> but the uh, um, it's in terms of genre, it's sort of like a third slash first person shooter, depending on uh, how you want to shoot your gun. Um, sometimes it's like that periscope or like the the map grid view if you're artillery, which is also kind of fun. Um, now, Stu, remind me, when we lived together, did you play this with me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. I remember you played a little bit of it, but the thing was, we played it while it was still in beta, and it yes. has changed so much. Like, it's got yeah. physics now, like, it's got all kinds of crazy shit going on. Yeah, I've revisited it um, a few times. If, if you have played it, like, while it was in beta and you haven't seen it since, check it out again. Yeah, and, it, it, like, it, it keeps... This is a good example of a free-to-play that continues to evolve and in a way that 
over time, World of Warcraft ended up feeling clunky, but over time, uh, World of Tanks has just, like, really, really sort of expanded and grown. Um, into a, I would argue, like, it was always a, a decent game, the premise is great, and it has never really changed in terms of gameplay, but just, they've done the graphical updates, they've, uh, done balancing and rebalancing yeah. and all that kinds of yeah. stuff, um, trying to ensure that your frame rates stay high mm-hmm. while your graphics are delivered, <clears throat> and included physics, so you can jump off things now, yeah. <laughs> instead of just hitting the invisible wall. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, a good example of a game that evolves over time, but in a in a good way, not a bad way. So the core mechanics of this game is you take control of a twentieth century tank of your choice, which was really nice. Uh, you have to work your way up to the types of tanks you want to drive. You start with like some of the shittiest tanks around, um, like literally the original tanks, um, not the big hulking ones from World War One, but like sort of their smaller predecessors. Um, and uh, from there, you just sort of you get put into a team in autoplay if you're playing a public game or in Clan Wars with uh, everybody else that you know. And you battle an opposing team. And it's really just a bunch of death matches, and you play to the death or until you time out. Um, or until you win. And the win, the win is generally kill everybody else. Um, or get the most points before the end of the clock. In terms of educational theories and thoughts for the game, this game is... It, it mixed, like, this game mixed with another game that I ended up playing successfully vo- motivated me to learn more about 20th century military vehicles and eventually World War II because a lot of these tanks that you're playing, um, it's all set up by nationality in terms of tech trees. So um, if you want, like, whatever tank, whatever tech tree you decide, um, basically when you start playing you get access to all the nationality shittiest tanks. You hop into that tank and you start grinding XP for that tech tree, but it's that national tech tree so you can get better tanks within that nation's purview. Um, <clears throat> and it, that's really just the excuse to get you to come back. Um, because that's all this game is, it's grinding. Grinding and finding the fun in in the uh, the slaughter, but there is so much more going on to this game under literally under the hood like um all of the armaments that you can upgrade on your tank are armaments that would have actually logically been on one of those tanks or were recorded as as having been used on those tanks at some point um some of the tanks that are in the game are identified as prototypes but they are like they're literally recognized prototypes that uh, there's there's historical evidence that they existed and this is you playing them is just the the perceived or the assumed performance of them um, like <clears throat> to say that this game got me interested in World War two vehicles um, is like it's fair uh i never would have known the difference between the marks in panzers like because there's panzers mark one two three four five um and then there's the off series which is each mark had different variants um so that's like different types of guns different types of armor uh they perform different roles um and when i say panzers i mean the german version of a tank um, mostly through World War, uh, leading up to World War II and through it, all the way up to, I think, the Tiger Tanks and eventually the Mouse, which is like this enormous, 
experimental tank that the Germans made two of. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, I know all of this because you can go into the wiki on the site or you can go into the wiki in the game and look up all this information. It's all there. So if you want to know anything about this thing that you're inhabiting, that you're, you know, that shoots good and you like the way that it plays, it's like, okay, I had a lot of fun in a KV-1, which was <clears throat> the Russian heavy tank, like one of the, the major Russian heavy tanks in early World War II. And I didn't know that that's what it was. I just knew I loved how it felt to be in this tank. I felt like a boss whenever I played it, and then I went and took the time to learn about it, and I was like, holy crap, like, this tank was awesome in World War II, yeah. or at least the, the early parts of it. The, like, the Germans had no idea how to deal with it. Yeah. And when you're in that tank, and you're the only mm -hmm. heavy on the board at that skill level, and everybody else is just trying to deal with you because you're, you're like, in this awesome, awesome vehicle. It feels like, like that. Yeah, it feels like that. And I mean, this is a game that their their attention to detail was nuts. Like, they took the time to learn the weak points on every single vehicle. And they reflect that in the game. So you can take the time to learn the weak points historically in these tanks and shoot at them. And, like, it'll it'll deal the damage you're expecting. Like, it's... Uh... Yeah, find, find the weak weakened armor and the flat part of the armor on you know <laughs> yeah. the the back left side of the turret yeah. is the weak point and yeah some of that stuff is fascinating yeah i mean uh we also happen to live in a time period where it's possible to research anything you want like if i was playing this game in say the early 90s i wouldn't know as much as i know about world war ii right now because what i did is i played this game i got interested then i went to wikipedia yeah. from wikipedia i went on to like say podcast there was a world war ii podcast i was listening to from that i went on to just doing my own research in books um like literal books because <laughs> how often do you pick up a book nowadays um and uh yeah, just so fascinating. Like, I went into this crazy spiral learning about World War II. Um, and uh, try to hold me to task because uh, I want to actually talk about that because there's a weird trend going on with our generation right now that I want to discuss. Uh, so if we try to veer away from this game, and I haven't talked about it yet, please just bring me back because mm -hmm. there's something i got to talk about. Yeah. Um, so in terms of personal engagement for this game... Um, like, from gameplay perspective, it's it's a very different kind of shooter, um, but it's one that still delivers all the, all the essentials, right? Like, you choose your gun, in this case it's your tank, um, you can choose the armaments on it. Uh, like most first-person shooters nowadays, there's, uh, there's the grind mechanic, so you're working towards better stuff all the time, and that's the reason why you keep replaying. We used to just do this for fun, but now we do it for better stuff, <laughs> which yeah. is... Which, you know what, is sort of like a, a borrowed RPG mechanic. You grind until you get the better spell. Now you grind until you get the better gear. And, like, uh, God, it's just, it works, right? Like, it works. You, you keep playing. You want to keep playing. Um, in these games, like, uh, spe specifically this game, like, your tank generally has a role. You're a heavy or a light. If you're a light, usually you're a reconna uh, reconnaissance. Um, but even those have, like, sub-roles, which you have to learn through play. So, like, you might be a reconnaissance tank that is really good at getting into a bush and sitting there. Um, but not all reconnaissance tanks are good at that. Some of them make too much noise, and so if you're sitting in a bush, people are just going to know you're there. Whereas there are some reconnaissance tanks that are really good at flying around <laughs> and just avoiding <laughs> all the shots, and then flanking and destroying people. Um... Or there are heavy tanks that some are good at just sitting and sniping, 
and some are good at actually getting into face-to-face -face brawls, ramming, and just destroying people. Um, and then there's also tank destroyers, which are a different variant of a sort of a heavy tank. Like, they're very front-heavy, but if you flank them or if you shoot them from behind, they blow up. And then there's artillery in the game, which a lot of people were concerned mm. sort of broke the game. But I don't know... <coughs> it's been a while since I played. I'm not sure how well that got balanced out. But the fact that the game's still going, that it's played professionally, that there are tournaments that pay out a bunch of money for uh, for playing in yeah. them, I'm thinking they probably figured it's gotta it out. It's got to be partly balanced, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. This was a great game to play in groups. But it also sort of starts to touch on one of the cons of the game, which is... Um, it's good to play in groups. It, it's Yeah, it's good to play in groups, but also... And this is something that we sort of lost track of because we were playing in the beta, but once I was out of beta and playing with everybody else, this game wants your money. Like, this game wants your money. And you can pay to get some incredible stuff, some incredibly good stuff. But back when I was playing... You had to pay to be able to make groups. Do you remember that? You had to be on premium in order in to be order able to, to be make a party group. inviter, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, it's a it's a few dollars. You throw a few dollars away to get so many days of premium. Yeah, and considering the progress that they've made, I mean, this is a model that works. Um, if you were to tell me. I don't know, like, because I'm definitely not playing the game now. Um, I'm trying to think of how much money I threw at it. Um, it, I probably ended up throwing more at it than a contemporary than I would pay for a contemporary game, mm -hmm. um, just to stay in premium, but also to try and get a little bit of extra gold and just get a hold of some of those tanks that I didn't feel like grinding anymore. Yeah, it, it's it uses that kind of. I think it's a little bit of a dated. Mm, model now where they they kind of the premium is kind of like paying for normal game features at a monthly subscription but they don't call it a monthly sub because it's free to play you just can't drive or shoot yeah. Yeah. and like in the community most of the play occurs at lower tiers so uh, the tiers of tanks go from 1, which is the shittiest, to 10, which is the best in that nation recorded up to a certain date. Um, <clears throat> generally speaking, not a lot of people play tier 10, play in their tier 10 vehicles very long because the damage bills, if you get destroyed, are so expensive that they drain you of all the resources that you make while playing. Um, this is frustrating because it's hard to make money if you're not winning. So if you're in one of the, the best vehicles and you keep getting blown up, eventually you just blow through your entire bankroll, and then you just can't drive that tank, so you have to go down to a lower level. So most people play around, I think it's uh, 6 to 8, uh, occasionally 9. Um, but uh, the tier 10s, you usually don't bring those out unless you're um, competitive and you're playing in tank wars. Um, With a full group, Which is basically. like the, yeah, the clan event. Um but uh, playing this PvP, especially like LAN setup with a bunch of other friends all around you or, you know, with a headset, is great. Uh, being able to coordinate, being able to actually assemble a wolf pack in-game and just go out there and rip somebody apart 
<clears throat> synchronizing your your builds so that you're you're the same and you can coordinate and do things like that or even just making sure that you're playing with somebody who does artillery somebody who's a tank destroyer somebody who's a light and then somebody who's a heavy so that you have all the rules covered and you're making sure that you're coordinating and working as a team um <clears throat> all of that is uh, is really good and i mean it's valuable right like that type of teamwork you will notice contemporary gaming is really starting to nail that uh establishing uh, the teamwork, like, how many competitive games do you play right now? I know you and I don't play as many as we used to, but where, when somebody takes the lead, like, uh, generally speaking, nobody wants to take the lead, but when somebody does, things go a little bit better. If that's someone who takes the lead, knows what they're doing, you usually win. Um, like, how often do you experience that? Because I've, I've played a number of games within the last few years where that is really, really the case. <laughs> Dude, we, you're asking a guy who, who plays Smite, <laughs> yeah. who plays Smite with a few, well, like, we do sometimes have fi a group of five going in yeah and we play assault which if you're a MOBA dude it's it's a ram it's all random all metal so you get a random god and there's one lane and it's team fights most of the game and when you've got two dudes who don't even know what their own abilities do <laughs> and, then, and then you've got another dude who frequently like would win 3v3 comps by himself that that's that changes <laughs> Like yeah, there, there there's a lot that can go on there. Oh god, yeah, pub games, what a thing. Public, yeah, and for anybody who doesn't know, pub. When I say pub games, I mean like public, like just public games. So it's not like you in a group. It's just sort of like either you playing by yourself and you and a few other people, but you don't fill up the whole team, so you don't have control of who else you get the random folks in your team. Yeah. And yeah, uh, that is not. <clears throat> anybody who plays video games right now uh even things like overwatch heroes of the storm league of legends like you know this you know what this is sometimes you get somebody who is complete trash and this is where the, the and this is a culture that exists within world of tanks as well when you get someone who, who's not very good who might be trying to learn the game but because they suck so hard the community turns on them. Yeah. Um, and that's... I mean, that, that goes into the con section of this game. The pros is, like, this game literally got me to look into military history and get a better understanding of World War II. Um, I understand the Eastern Front, so this is the Russian-German Front, yeah. also the Russian-Japanese Front, and the Russian-Finnish front, <laughs> like I, 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 and yeah. the Russian-Hungarian and Romanian front, like yeah. what Russia did, which doesn't get taught in school. You never learn about Russia in school no. for whatever reason. Because at the end of the day, even though the United States and Britain and France all talk about it, without Russia, that war would have ended very differently. Very differently. Um, and that's something you don't learn in school, but something that I took the time to learn on my own, and this game uh, helped me do that, because I enjoyed the Russian tank chain so much that I wanted to understand what I was doing and what I was in. Um, so, like, that's a pro. Like, the cons <laughs> is the culture. Yeah. Um, and the fact that skill fate, skill fate is a thing. Um, whenever I leave this game and I try to come back, the skill fate is so bad that I end up being one of those shitty people on your team. 
um, because I don't remember what every tank does. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I try to do things that worked for me back when I was playing, and the entire community's got wise to it and now yeah, solved like that problem. The meta's changed, and yeah. So yeah, that's. It's hard to get into a competitive game that you used to play, um, but don't have the same skills for anymore. Um, and also, if you don't have the time, you're just not going to get better. Um, at the end of the day, I think the gameplay for this game has never been slicker, has never been better. It just keeps getting better. Um, but like, I just I don't have the time to, to dedicate to playing as much as I should. I still jump into the cockpit every now and again. Like, I've got friends that excite me about this game, so I'll just yeah. get back into a tank every now yeah. and again. But um, and I, I, it's not something I play re- regularly. And I think so, some of the... I just wanted to touch on the team the team aspect of it and, like, having a role. I think it's a little bit harder to understand in in World of Tanks than something like uh, a MOBA or, or, like, Overwatch, where, you know, you can you hover your cursor on a dude and it says whether he's <laughs> offensive or defensive it's or support or that kind of thing. Yeah, like the, yeah you need to know your a, tank. It's a lot harder to, to understand what your role is. And even just going up the tech tree, you go from a, a Tier 3 to a Tier 4 light tank, and that could actually be an entirely different play style than anything you've done before. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And yeah, so you get rewarded for spending time in the tank, not just through the experience, but you also understand what the tank does. Um, the only problem with that is sometimes you may have a target tank that you want to get to, and you're stuck grinding in a piece of garbage mm-hmm. that you hate. Um, and that was another one of the reasons why it was easy to walk away from the game. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's still fun to go back. I have a lot of the tanks that I always liked, and yeah. they're still there. Yeah. I've had a few tanks that I love that aren't in the game anymore. Um, one example would be the T-50-2, which was an experimental version of the T-50 uh, uh, Russian light tank. And, uh, yeah, they got rid of that tank, and it was so awesome. <laughs> I loved that thing so much. I would fly around the fly around the map, and when, um, oh, my God, when physics got introduced, like, I would oh, jump that thing yeah. like crazy on that bridge level. That was so fun. Um <laughs> Yeah, God, I love that tank. And they, they totally toasted it. Only because it wasn't real. Like, it literally <laughs> wasn't a thing. Which is, like, good on you. Yeah. Good on you, Wargaming.net, yeah. for getting they rid never, of the not real yeah, tank. Yeah, they never actually built a prototype of it. They didn't even build a prototype, no. Uh, the, the T-50 line um, was just too complicated. Uh, the T-50s were basically... And, again, this is, like, I learned about this tank... The T-50 was, like, my favorite light tank for the Russians, and the T-50-2 was, like, its upgrade. Um, but uh, the T-50, historically, uh, there were only about, I don't know, like, uh, 300 or something made, or even less. Hmm. Um, and they were all made in Leningrad. And even though they were a remarkable tank that performed as well as the, the T-34, they had complicated engines and... Um, the Russians relied on things that were easy that even idiots could do because they had such high casualty rates that they couldn't depend on skilled individuals to stick around for very long. That's why the T-34 was so useful because you could stick a farmer in it and he could drive it. Um, but the T, the T-50, um, that wasn't the case. It was too complicated to maintain, so they stopped the line dead. Um, anyway... <laughs> History lesson of the day. Yep. Um, 
yeah, awesome tank, just didn't have its time to shine because it was too complicated to maintain. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, I still enjoy jumping into the, the cockpit. Also, like, I find myself interested in the tanks that I choose to drive. Um, the Chinese train was, or Chinese chain of tanks was so interesting because so many of them were originally Russian until the Chinese started making them better. Um, and a lot of their designs were basically the Russian designs all the way up to a certain point, and then they just started improving on those designs on their own. Um, in the same way that the Russians improved on their designs, it's just that you can actually see where the tanks start to change and become different creatures. Yeah. And I thought, like, that's really, really interesting. Um, so now getting back to culture, a weird cultural thing that I've noticed, um, specifically with... Um, I'd say, you know, within the age range of about uh, 25 to 40, 41. And it is, for some reason, and dude, I just, I don't even know how to deal with it. Like, there are people who are very much into old military culture, and there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I recently within the last year went to a dinner party where a guy was like hey dude come over here come check this out i hear you're a world war ii nut so he, he pulls me over he's like do you see this do you see this and he's showing me there's like shards of porcelain that he has um scraps of paper and um and a metal and because i've done my homework i know what all this stuff is and it's nazi memorabilia and i'm just like Okay, um, <laughs> like, like he's got Nazi porcelain, like a chip of Nazi porcelain with the swastika on it. He's got, um, he's got a propaganda flyer, and then he's got like um, the chevrons from uh, from a uniform, and I'm just, and he's like thrilled, and he's really excited, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, no, some things are better just having pictures of man, because like. <laughs> Like, why are you excited to have to have the things that represented like the truest form of evil that has ever manifested in a political fashion on the planet? Um, like, yeah. <laughs> and how do you have that conversation when you've been invited over to this person's house for dinner yeah. party? Right? Like, it's sort of like, oh, this is fucked up. Uh, um, but I mean, I, I'm noticing this is happening a lot because I'm. I also play another game called Bolt Action, where like oh, yeah. people just throw themselves into the faction that they like. And I mean, I I started playing Russians because that was I, that's what I was interested in. Mm -hmm. But then I moved on to Hungarians because nobody played that faction, and like the Hungarian front is such a weird situation. Um, but I was noticing this one guy in a community that I was in, he was, like, collecting all this uh, Hungarian uh, war memorabilia. And, like, news newsflash, for anybody who doesn't know, the Hungarians were on the, the, the German side. And eventually, there were Hungarian... There was a Hungarian party called the Arrow Cross Party that were the Nazis. Like, literally the SS infiltrated in Hungary who welcomed them because uh, basically anybody who was moderate to left got completely removed from, from the picture. Um, and, like, this guy had a bunch of their stuff in his house, like flyers. He had, um, he had like, a, a, a shoulder band, like, literally from the era. 
And he was thrilled, and I'm just like, man. Like, why... Why are we celebrating some of the darkest shit? <laughs> like, well, there, um, well, there, I, I, I think some of that is just the romanticization of that period, and just having, I don't know, having something that still represents. Like, I, I don't think, it, I should say, I, w- I, I don't know, you know, who these people were, but I would be sur- no, surprised I, to I find out that I, any yeah. one of them said, "Yes, I collected these because I really, really wish Hitler pulled it off." Man, like. So I, I don't I don't think <laughs> I don't I don't think anyone necessarily collects you know yeah I know, you know it's it's just to ha- it's having yeah. a part of the past I get it yeah um, but like man what a dark piece of what a dark piece of history oh, yeah. to celebrate yeah. having yeah um well I I, I, I get I, I, I get the f- go ahead I, I was just gonna say I, I think it's less about. Um, celebrating having that dark piece of history, but just have having s- a piece of memorabilia from something that was so great an event that so many people have respect for, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you will also notice that none of these people were Jewish. Um, mm. They were just white North Americans, or uh, in one case, I the guy was European, uh, the Hungarian collection guy. Um, and I, I, I mean, the flip side of it is also, like, it's okay to have stuff from the victors, but it's not okay to have stuff from the, uh, from the losers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's a weird thing that I've noticed. It's a sort of a, a fetish, fetishization. And I'm not sure how to deal with it, or even how to speak about it without frowning on it and being sort of a dick about it but like i don't know i it's just something that i wouldn't want in my house uh simply because of what it represents because there is more than enough stuff out there that you can use as a point of reference mm-hmm. um and i guess i'm just not as big into things yeah well yeah. yeah um so like two specific cases where i've seen it happen and also I've watched within communities where people will use slang. Uh, and luckily there's other people in the community that are just like, hey, that's not cool. Yeah. And if those people don't speak up before I do, then I'm just like, hey, that's not yeah. cool and this is why. And usually the uh, the communities are pretty well moderated for certain types of... Uh, like for... Uh, I play Bolt Action, which is a miniature game. Um, and <laughs> for the most part, the community is really, really cool. Um, but every now and again, you just... Uh, you run into someone who says something really horrible Man, at a tournament. They're everywhere, eh? <laughs> Man, those people. But I mean, the, the the flip side of it, the flip side of it is like we're also taking some of, and uh, this is I'm not trying. I'm just okay. Look, I'm gonna sound like a shithead, but like <laughs> in these types of hobbies, generally attract some of the most awkward, socially awkward people. And unfortunately, sometimes those socially awkward people just say what's on their mind, and what's on their mind is not always yeah, yeah. what you want to hear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's better. And it's just because it's, yeah, it's what they think's okay, but it's not, generally. Yeah, here I was, I was going to say that it's the next uh, Nazi attempt at infiltration. They're sending their people to just say terrible shit at everywhere the people game. No, it's just some people don't know any better. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 um, yep. 
Yeah, and I mean, I've been in World of Tanks where people have said horrible things over the mic. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> but, like, what competitive Sorry. game have you played where that doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah what? <laughs> God damn it, Stu. Just because you embody the purest form of Aryan. Um, okay. By the way, Stu is blonde and white with blue eyes. So yeah, just, uh, I'm, I'm that guy. He is that thanks guy. For, um, thanks for giving away the secret, man. The secret of yeah okay uh, hey <laughs> right hey for for our listeners I'm just a disembodied voice all right now you've yeah I've given a picture to this yeah it's a it's a well I mean if people go to our website they'll be able yeah to see they can an see anyway picture yeah. of it yeah um so okay let's uh, let's move on um I'm gonna check our email but uh, this next section is what can you teach us Uh, so Stu and I love talking about video games but we also really enjoy hearing from you the audience so if you feel like you have a valuable lesson uh, that you learned from gaming or you feel like you have a valuable lesson that we need to learn (laughs) don't be afraid to communicate it Uh, please please. feel free to share it uh, with us at learnfromgaming uh, at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com uh, so, yeah, Stu, if you just bear with me, I'm going to jump onto the, uh, the Gmail quick. I don't see anything in the inbox, but you never know. Um, nope, it's just a bunch of Patreon and Twitter stuff. Alrighty. We have no fans, which is okay, because we also barely have a website. Um, yeah, I was waiting for the website to start pimping it out to people and, and prompting for emails and stuff, so... <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, we'll have one hell of a library for them to listen yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm way. hoping. Yeah. As long as we yeah. you, we don't have like 30 episodes recorded and we show it to people and everyone says, yeah, I got halfway through episode one and then I uh, deleted the link. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I would feel so sad. I would feel so sad. Imagine. Oh, I would feel like dirt. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know what? Sometimes you make stuff, it doesn't work. And yeah, we have yeah. invested. This will be the fifth episode yeah. total that we've. Well, that's all right. That we've. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but you know what? Then then we learn from it and we do it better. Yeah, man. Hey, good attitude. I like what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so then here, let's see. Uh, um, yeah, I guess we'll just move into what we've been playing. So, Stu, what have you been playing? <sighs> you know what? I wasn't going to. Uh, I actually picked up a game that I didn't think I was going to. Um, what what was it? I am presently playing Oxygen Not Included. Yes, I saw you were playing that on Steam. And you know what? I like it. It's uh, like really good interface. It, it's a like. It's kind of set in, I I don't know. I want to say space or like a weird world, but. It's like a colony building thing from uh, from like a pie cutout. Uh, cross section. That's the word I'm looking for. There um, we go. Yeah. And the the biggest, the newest feature that mm, from my awareness, no other games like this have is that you have to manage the gases that you're dealing with. So your dudes need oxygen to breathe. They breathe out carbon dioxide. You have to deal with yeah. hydrogen comes around, chlorine comes around, polluted oxygen is bad. There's natural gas. So, like, all of these things have different properties, and you got to deal with it while you're trying to, you know, get them food and keep them happy, give them beds and clean water and all that kind of stuff. It's really neat. It's fun. It's been good. Yeah. It's been good. Okay. Cool. For, for, yeah. for a game like that, 
Um, they also let you control your influx of population, which takes the biggest difficulty and the and the biggest frustrating difficulty spikes out of the game, because okay, if, if you if you know you can't handle more people yet, they don't just come in from the edge of the map and shit all over your town. <laughs> that like, was the worst. Like they do in the worst so many. Part of Dwarf Fortresses. Oh man, it was so, so tough. So many games like that that happens. Or like you you know like you're playing Banished and everything is okay and you know you've got your town up to fifty people and you think you're kind of doing all right and then 47 people show up and 46 of them are children and like what the anyway so (laughs) so that yeah yeah and and the interface is really clean um and i the only other thing i want to mention is prioritization uh a lot of these games you can't easily set priorities and tell people like this is the important job you son of a bitch do this um oxygen not included does it very very well and i'm i'm really happy about it like it's uh, like 90 percent of other games like this it's frustrating (laughs) as hell they did it right here and i Uh, have mad respect for that yeah well this is the guys who did don't starve so the art design is a little unique and it's nice like it's appealing yeah um i'm assuming the 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 sound is probably decent um but uh yeah i mean they had a pretty good grasp on the hunger and insanity mechanic for don't starve yeah um, so insan- insanity is replaced by stress here, basically. But it's they freak out if if they you know if life is too difficult for the whiny bastards. Yeah, which yeah, which is fair. Uh, I mean that happens. <laughs> um, cool. So then uh, yeah, you know, like I want to check that game out. Uh, I definitely do. Um, it, and I think that probably not the near future, but uh, again, when things free up. That is something that's right up my alley. It, it is still early access. There are still, I think, a few kinks here and there, and some not quite fully fleshed out features. Um, if you if yeah. you don't want to be dealing with that, wait until it's out of EA. But it is like okay. I'm enjoying it as it is right now. So it, it okay. is like well, that's good. it is stable. It is playable. It's it's enjoyable. So those are all good things. <laughs> yeah. Those are all really good things. Um, now I've had like this crazy itch to go back and play more time, uh, which I don't oh. think anybody else I know owns. I own that. Um, only because like I hate the random number generator. Like it's just like Blood Bowl. Um, yeah. So like it's a it's a Games Workshop property made into a computer game, and it's translated almost perfectly. Um, yeah. But man, is that game ever swinging? Yeah. Uh, that said, as you level, the swing starts to go away, um, and your abilities start to offset the randomness. The randomness is always going to be there because it's like a, I know, like a two d six system um, for calculation. But uh, it it added a lot of things. It added like uh, two or th- two or three new war bands that you could be like the vampires the. And the witch hunters, oh, okay. and then you could also buy like new mercenaries, which really complemented stuff that was missing from other uh, other war war bands. Okay, but um, yeah, I want to go back and play it. But the thing is, I would start that game up, and it would be five hours later. <laughs> like just like Blood Bowl, I would start that thing up, and then it'd be like, oh, the it's day Tuesday. Yeah, it's dark now. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, so. I mean, I'm going to take this moment to sort of dive into 
<coughs> some of the personal difficulties and blessings uh, in my life. So, like, I recently had a, wi- uh, had recently a wife. Had a wife. I recently <laughs> gave birth to my wife. No, I recently <laughs> had a had a baby with my wife, and my wife and I are we're relatively newly married. Um, <coughs> and I'm finding that if I want to play video games, I have two options right now. Um, sorry, I've got three options, and I'll, the third option is the worst. Not play video um, games. <laughs> Well, no, 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 no. Oh, well, then I guess I have four. There we go. But if I want to play video games, um, my options are mobile or handheld. Uh, and that's the two, the good ones. The third one is neglect my family and my baby. Uh, <laughs> and then just yeah. play whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, that's, uh... And the fourth one is don't play anything. Um, but uh, I'm lucky enough that I've got a DS, uh, or sorry, a 3DS, which, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is... Like a uh, PlayStation Vita is a is a really decent handheld, but uh, production's all but stopped. Uh, the DS, the 3DS is still going strong. There's some amazing games on it, and it's got a design where I can literally just shut the screens on top of each other, and the game goes on hold, and I can open it up again whenever I want. So if I have to go change a diaper, it's just like slam, come back, open it back up. I'm right where I was. Um, it's a little jarring for action games, so like uh, stuff like that. But if I'm playing an RPG or anything like that. Um, I recently played through the new Pokemon. I was playing through Pokemon Sun. I had absolutely no trouble, and this is back when uh, my son was a lot more demanding. Um, and I'm thinking that's just going to be the avenue for, for gaming for me for now, just because I don't <laughs> like I don't have a way of just sneaking down into my basement to play the games that I want to play on my computer. <laughs> I haven't even set up my Wii U again after we moved and bought our house. Um, so it's just sitting in its box. Lonely. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, I'd, I'd <laughs> like to set it back up. Uh, and it's why I lament that I don't have a Switch, because a Switch is exactly... Like, it, it's it's a high-end solution to my problems, but again, it's high-end, which means it's got a price. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you, if you are a new parent um, and you're thinking, how am I ever going to get back to gaming, just remember you have access to a ton of games on your phone. I'm not encouraging emulation by any stretch of the imagination, but if you happen to have an emulator on your phone and you happen to know where to get the ROMs, you have access to a number of really, really good games yeah, already yeah. for free. Um, and if not, if you've got uh, any kind of Game Boy, any kind of handheld, just like just go back and play those games, man. Do yourself a favor. Enjoy the good stuff that you know is around. Um, because... Uh, I mean, otherwise you're just not going to do it, and there's nothing wrong with taking a break from gaming either. Um, but yeah, I uh, it's been such a big part of my life for so long that it it actually feels weird for me to not do it. If that's if that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, I've I've found um, a lot of a lot of the time that I used to spend playing games, I have to be spending that time doing other things, and I will I will put let's plays of from YouTube on and just listen to them and. <laughs> It, it's it's not really yeah. a substitute, but it, like if it at least feels like I'm engaging and participating in the culture a little bit, you know. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's neat. And sometimes, it it's weird. Like I I apparently listen to an LP of Mafia Two. And like no recollection of it, but 
something really? came through and it, yeah it's like 40 videos long and i'm like how the wow, how the how, blank wow. did i like sleep through all of, well maybe that's it maybe i said the lp on at work and like left and went home something i don't know yeah uh, like i'm but i'm at a level right now with my job where i can put on a podcast and yeah. just listen to yeah, it. yeah yeah um I can't do the audio visual stuff. Uh, what one? That's, no, that's too taxing for me. But. Yeah, no, I, I, def- I wouldn't sit and watch YouTube video. I mean, just hearing the audio from that because LPs are neat, but um, even just the audio from it can be good enough. There are some great, like if you find the right people, uh, entertaining people to listen to, it's it's fantastic to to get that, um, just their their perspectives on things and their interrogatives and whatever. It's 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 good. Just the audio alone can be still really solid. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, uh, sometimes I'll I'll put videos on, but then I end up doing less work and watching the video. <laughs> it just doesn't help. Uh, yeah, because I, I want to listen to the audio, but I yeah. then end up but, watching. The yeah, video. but that's I think that's why I don't listen to podcasts as often because the podcasts I feel like I have to pay attention to them, like because they're yeah. they're talking critically about something usually or trying to, and then. Yeah, trying to like we try to um but but, but listen in quotation marks yeah yeah but, try but uh but listening to an lp i find less ta- like i don't i don't feel as bad if i'm not paying attention to it okay yeah. which is yeah interesting yeah um do you listen to audiobooks Yes, but that's for the most part when I'm trying to wind down at the end of the day because I, I usually try to pay attention to them as well. Every now and then I'll get lost. Like I do Sudokus and, and listen to audiobooks and every now and then I'll realize like I miss half a chapter or something and have to go back. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, for the, yeah, for the most just, part I, I pay I attention, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't do that. Like um, I love reading and I actually used to listen to audiobooks quite a lot when I was younger. Um, but I just, I, in terms of working and having an audiobook on, I know I can't. Yeah, no, I, I, I yeah. And for me, podcasts are the same. Yeah. Podcasts or audiobooks, they're just too distracting. There you go. Um, learning a lot about each other in a short period of time. Um, yeah. Yeah. We should, so we should have put I that guess. at the beginning in, in terms of the, Hey, I'm Stu. And I, I listen to LPs <laughs> instead of, <laughs> uh, well, we didn't know. We didn't yeah, know we were going to yeah, go down exactly, this Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's really me. Uh, just, uh, I'm right now I'm at handheld. Uh, that's where I'm going to be for mm-hmm. a while yet. And I'm okay with that because there's some really good games on handhelds. Uh, I know that you don't get exposed to a lot of that and you're not a hundred percent. I'm, in I'm it. not about to dive into it. No, unfortunately. Yeah. Like I, I, I know that there are rich experiences available there. Um, yeah, uh, they're, they're just, I guess not for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you like, if you were never, I mean, we had the original Game Boy, right? My brother and I each had a Game Boy because that that's it, yeah, it was awesome, um, and we grew up with them, um, and it was just an option when we were away from home. It was a way to keep us uh, pacified, I guess, in the car. Yeah, but yeah. it ended up being there were some valuable, um, some some decent games on there, and then like I I just kept buying the next iteration. Right. Um, for some reason, I never got into uh, PlayStation's line, but um, yeah, I've I've always enjoyed handheld. There's a bit of freedom that comes with it, and that you can play anywhere. Yeah. Um, with within reason and with the limitations of a battery life, 
Um, but that's getting better, right? Like every oh, yeah, generation, yeah, yeah. it just gets better. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, it, in a lot of ways, I kind of sort of thought that by now, our cell phones and our TVs would be our video game systems and that would be it. Um, but we're still not there. For some reason, consoles are still going strong. And I'm not sure if I'm upset about it. I, I'm not really. Um, actually, I'm kind of okay with it because we, you still get the exclusive content. But um, I wonder how long it's going to be till that happens or if that's ever going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I feel like... It could... <laughs> We've seen the the game streaming services try to kick off, but I mean those aren't those aren't really viable for much at this point yet. But I think the technology is getting there. And when you say streaming, it's sort of like a service. Um, just for anybody who's not one hundred percent familiar, yeah. it's it's like it's a service like Netflix. But what you would do is you would stream the game. Um, and I think that once the technology is there, once the infrastructure, so the the actual wiring that would support uh, playing games at that speed so that the delay <clears throat> doesn't occur or the drop-off doesn't occur. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's a market there. And then, like, instead of game buying, we'll just be getting subscriptions, uh, which is something that some consoles are already doing. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's interesting. We, we'll like, see what we happens, live in a yeah. Really, yeah. We live in a really weird time for video games where, like, there's infinite possibility and everybody loves them and everybody really enjoys them and the tech just keeps going further. But, like, in a lot of ways it also feels like we haven't really moved in terms of genre growth for a number of things. Like, yeah. the first-person first shooter is still kind of number one and Overwatch is kind of reinforcing that because Overwatch is being so successful. Yeah. Um, which means that everybody else is going to be trying to copy Overwatch for the next uh, probably <laughs> ten years. Yeah. Um, which means that first-person shooters again will be king for the next ten years. Again. And they'll be garbage but, uh, for ten years. We're getting all these crappy, <laughs> crappy ones. Like how many? Yeah. Nobody learned their lesson from Warcraft. We're gonna. Well, well yeah. Uh, make a uh, make a hundred and one terrible games and go from there. <laughs> but I mean, even even Warcraft at, at its height was still being challenged by all the first-person shooters, right? The first-person shooters never went away. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. It's a different kind of experience altogether. Yeah, it was just a different. It was a different, uh, different uh, console. So, um, but uh, yeah, you know what? Let's move into clothes because we have really gone off the rails today. Yeah. <laughs> we covered a wide berth of topics in today's, today's yeah. thing. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah. So uh, this is the part of the episode uh, where we say goodbye to everybody. Um, and we'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to us and our rant that went in a really weird direction. Yeah. Um, we hope that you enjoyed our conversations about Nazi memorabilia and the future of gaming yeah. and yeah. Uh, having children or wives, um, giving birth to wives. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. It was a weird one. Um, Bucket list. Stu, do you have anything? <laughs> wow, yeah, give birth to a wife. Um, Stu, do you have oh. anything you'd like to plug this week? Plugging, uh, you know what? Same, same thing that seems to happen every week. I'm, I'm gonna do that baby plug for oxygen not included. Check it out. Otherwise, um, oh, look at you. Otherwise, uh, um, the the day nine video I mentioned, uh, his Starcraft remastered rant, um, as if. <laughs> As if day nine needs a plug from from Stu. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Other than that, check out Dungeon Master. Uh, n nothing. Nothing unusual. Nothing. 
just all, all the things I talked about today. Not, nothing from the peripheral radar is really kicking up right now. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, yeah so then I guess for me, um, this Kickstarter does not need any help because it has been... Yeah, it has been overfunded approximately... What is that? That's a... A thousand percent. <laughs> like, um, sorry, as for 300,000, got 3,300,000. Hmm. So, um, yeah, Zombicide Green Horde is going strong, uh... but it would be wrong of me not to mention getting in on it while you can. Because the Kickstarters have spiraled so out of control that you're basically getting another two to three boxes of stuff mm-hmm. along with your Kickstarter now. So, like, and the, these are all exclusives that you're only going to get here or at a convention. Um, and it's going to be a good game. Uh, the original Zombicide was solid. Yeah. Uh, nothing but good good reviews came out of Black Plague and this is built off of that uh, that set of mechanics so it's just medieval style Zombicide with uh, a few more mechanics so like I love Cool Mini or Not I think that they do a lot of really good stuff Guillotine Games has consistently delivered um, so yeah throw throw money at them if you got it because you'll end up with a really good game um, and a bunch of extra stuff the number of times I've gotten like three to four box packages from Cool Mini or not, yeah. uh, for, for a board game that I kickstarted. Um, I can count on one hand, but it's uh, many times on one hand. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I just I can't say enough about that company and what they do with their Kickstarters. They really knock it out of the park. Um, and that's really it for me. Uh, so I guess uh, if if you want to know more, like you, the audience, not used to... Um, but if you want to know more about Learn From Gaming Podcast, uh, we've got all kinds of social media stuff that is starting to roll out. So check out our Facebook, check out our Twitter, check out our website at learnfromgaming.com. And uh, once you know, once we really figure out how to get all this pod stuff or podcast stuff out, like once we've got everything sourced on the, the websites, go look for us on iTunes and maybe, um, I, I don't know, other podcast applications that I, I'm not familiar with now. Um, but other than that, uh, thank you very much for joining and uh, tune back in soon. Hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Here's hoping. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs>